Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello, everyone. Dave. Hello, Internet. And Tori. Hello, Internet. Craig. Good. Well, this week, I have a game for everyone. I know, this is a surprise. James. Um, So it's a mobile game that I actually just sort of randomly came across. Like, I was just like, I sort of need something to play while the baby's relaxing. So mobile games, of course, are a little better. Looked around for something more my style, and I found something called Job Mania, which is free. Uh, It's like Slay the Spire mixed with... um, this job creating game which is sort of like uh i don't know if you guys play like alchemy or i can't remember there there's some weird games where you combine elements and you create new elements i think it's called it might call it be called elements it's that so it's that combines play the spire what's that space cam no uh anyway i i would say slay the spire light it's not doodle god it plays like slay the spire where you get your skills and abilities and you have in combat you're able to have your you have a draw deck. Um, you are able to draw more from your deck with certain abilities, and you just play as many abilities as possible. And then the opponent goes and you go back and forth and you kill things and you get upgrades. The job system is really neat. That's the thing I was talking about. That you actually take existing jobs, combine them with this equipment that you're just going to get in dungeon quests and things like that uh, to create better jobs that are more interesting. Um, so. Unlike Slate Aspire, there is over a hundred jobs that you could be. They're not as in depth because the decks are generic. Uh, the abilities that you get are more generic, so it's not like you have a deck of abilities that you start with. I mean, you do. You do have that based on each job, but uh, you can get any skills that you want if you're used to Slate Aspire. Anyway, the point is, it's free. So if you're at all curious, go ahead and download it. There was like no advertising done for this game. It just sort of popped up and. It's an active development, and like I said, it's it's actually been very addicting. Um, there are some ads in the game, but they're you choose to view them. Uh, like it, the game lets you know, hey, if you watch this, then you'll get a boost to your gold or whatever it is. All right, um, and you can I have not do it. I have two questions for you. Okay, what platform is it on? Android. Uh, I don't know if it's for iPhone. And what is the name of the thing again? Job Mania. Is that one word or two? One word. Okay. Oh, look, yeah, this one. Yes, that is the one. Thank you. It's been posted in our Good Things channel on our Discord. So, yeah, Roguelike, Crystal Generation, Dungeon Crawler, and it has a Slate Aspire type uh, gameplay. Lots of fun. Okay. Give it a try. Dave. Good. My good thing this week is also a video game. It's my favorite video game, my most adored... Earthbound. ...game of all time... And it starts with an E, and it's e. Earthbound. It's EverQuest. <laughs> nope, it's Earthbound. Dave, it's Pikachu. I know, you, I know you too well. The moment you said <laughs> my favorite game, oh, it's Earthbound. It's Earthbound. Yeah, I, I have a question. I've, yes. Why have people been playing that recently? Like, I think Fruit Bats was playing it. Is, is there some big deal that makes Earthbound like playable right now? 
uh, Earthbound is always playable, and everyone should be playing it all the time. They didn't have well, like a nice, special yeah. Switch. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know. It's not even on the Switch SNES library, which was a little disappointing, but um, that's okay because I have the cartridge. Uh, I'm actually playing on my cartridge that I had since I was a kid. I started a recent playthrough, and I think I'm kind of understanding where I derived a lot of my sense of humor. I, uh, I attribute it mostly to uh, the Brothers Chaps and HomestarRunner.com, but I think also Earthbound is a big part of it. <laughs> uh, it's really funny, really cute, uh, nice. It's it's more like it's more of an experience than like a game, I guess. Um, I don't know, it's weird. Uh, really cool battle backgrounds with like trippy uh, colors and shapes and stuff. It's awesome. The music is fantastic and also unique. Like it doesn't it's really it's really good, but it's not like oh this is like action video game music or this is RPG music. It's got its own kind of like funky quirky yeah style, but just really well put together soundtrack and uh yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I think at the time of release, like most RPGs are fantasy oriented of, mm-hmm. of some sort. And then Earthbound comes along. It's like, we're going to be modern. And it's going to focus more on its sense of humor than anything. Um, I mean, I, I appreciate it for what it is. It just, I just couldn't get into it. But don't get me wrong. Like, I, I know what it is. I, watching Fruit Bats play it, I have to say, I'm like, this is such a Dave game. Like, I'm just watching. I'm like, this is such an everything. Like, it just reminds me so much of you. I'll have to check out those VODs because I'm a big fan of Fruit Bats and obviously Earthbound. I think Fruit Bats I've actually used as a good thing before. But yeah, I just, I don't know, I guess he just doesn't stream at the times when I like get home and start browsing Twitch. But to look into that. Uh, Alright, I also love Earthbound. I hate the speedrun. The speedrun is terrible. But just playing the game casually. What's kind of funny is I, I adore the game so much I refuse to speedrun it. Like, I don't I don't want to ever be in a position where I can't appreciate this game to its fullest. That is the correct. I watch. I like. I do enjoy watching Earthbound speedruns, but I just. I wouldn't do. I wouldn't put myself to three or four hours of RNG. Uh, so my good thing this week is the latest addition to the Babish Culinary Universe, uh, which is what the Binging with Babish YouTube channel has become more recently. <laughs> Uh, and that is a show called Stump Sola, where Sola Aweli um, attempts to make, you know, attempts to make a a meal uh, based on whatever whatever like the the base criteria is that they pick, and then she spins on a wheel to add a handicap, and it's great. Uh, the video I posted was one-handed boozy brunch, so boozy brunch would would be the uh, the category picked, and then the one-handed would be the the handicap uh she basically assembled this entire meal like from scratch with uh one hand literally tied behind her back and yeah there there were a lot of things that required two hands uh that were that she didn't have two hands to to do and it was very entertaining but yeah stump sola very good show wonderful good thing tori my good week is an app it's called jigsaw puzzles it's by Easy Brain. 
it's literally a bunch of jigsaw puzzles that's like pretty pictures and you can select how many pieces the picture is in and then you assemble the picture it's little puzzle pieces and uh it's very diverting and the pictures are pretty i just really wanted something mindless to play with and i found it so jigsaw puzzles uh the icon is like a red block with a yellow puzzle piece in it if you're looking for it in your app store there's lots of Jigsaw Puzzle apps, but that's the one I'm talking about. Jigsaw Puzzles by Easy Brain. Yeah, I wish mm. I wish I could do like physical Jigsaw Puzzles, but cats are yeah, better yet. I, I have that same problem. But on this app, you know, when you start the puzzle and then you abandon it to do something else later, it saves your progress. Pretty cool. Better yet, teach the cats to solve the Jigsaw Puzzle. You would be set for life. Oh my gosh. Cat would have its own TV show. I know, that would be a huge sensation. So, of my three cats, the things that they would do to jigsaw puzzles. <laughs> one of them only remembers she's a cat sometimes. Most of the time, she thinks she's an old cranky lady. So she'd largely ignore it. Except for those those brief moments of remembering she's a cat, and then she'd like hop up on the table and just, just go nuts on all the pieces. The, the, and they'd this be was everywhere. the youngest one when I met her, right? At the time? Yeah. And now she's a cranky old lady? Yes. Uh, she immediately <laughs> became a cranky old lady the moment that we introduced a new kitten to the house. She decided, <laughs> no, I am too old for this. At the ripe old age of two years old for a cat. <laughs> um, that that next oldest cat, Bear, uh, he'd eat the pieces. He would eat the pieces, decide that he doesn't actually like the taste of them. They're not actually food. And so he would stop. And then he'd go back and eat another piece. And that would that cycle would continue until there are no pieces left. See, um, with my three cats, one would lay on the puzzle and the other two would knock it down. And then, yeah, third cat, Peanut, would wait until we start to pay attention to the puzzle and then just destroy it in attempting to get our attention instead. So, puzzles are no-go. So, so, digital puzzle, you said? Yes, very fun. All right. Uh, Dave. That's me. Hi, Dave. You're going to talk about chapters 24 through 28 of uh, Words of Radiance? Uh, I did until you started clapping on a microphone. Alright, well what do you want to talk about then? I don't know, what's up with you man? What if we talk about the chapters but without the clapping? I don't know, I think that might work. Chapter 24, Tyne. I guess this chapter has something to do with forks? Decay form. Wait, duh. Voidbringers are just another listener form. But do they know it? Perhaps even Chasm Fiends. Gaz is alive? Come on. Oh, yeah. I remember last week that there was a one-eyed dude with the deserters, but I forgot to write it down. Shallan starts planning to convince the princes. Historians are liars. Mmm. Paternchus pilot. Spiritual realm is a place of pure truth, while the cognitive is more fluid. Voidbringers have their own spren? Shattered power of honor, cultivation, and odium, which means hatred. Dinner with Tyne. See? It did have something to do with Fork. So we start off uh, with another stanza. I'm trying to remember, at one point we go away from Listener Song of Listing and get into other songs, but this might have still been Listing. And I forget what Decay Form was. Uh, but uh, it made me start thinking about how, like, the... Uh, the Chasm Fiends are probably just listeners in another form. So maybe 
somehow related to the Voidbringers as well. What would you call yeah. that form? Uh, pupa form. Chasm form. Chasm hanger form. Poop, poopy form. Poopa. Poop bear. Pooba. Why? Maybe decay form. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Uh, so anyway, I'm probably all this stuff before is probably right. Um, and then Gaz, uh, our old friend Gaz comes back. You'll recall that Gaz was the bridge leader when Kaladin first joined Bridge Four. And well, he was, he the, was the, the one eyed guy. He, but he was the he was in charge of the bridge, right? Right. I don't think bridge leader was even a thing <laughs> until Kaladin came along. Well there's no, always was. a there's always a bridge leader. It's it's just someone on the bridge that sort of yeah. volun is volunteered or voluntold something. But he was sort of like the dark eyes who sort of ran all the bridge crew, so he wasn't necessarily a slave. That was his Yes, job. right. But he did uh, he does have an enormous amount of debt that Shalon has promised to pay off or get forgiven. Right. And so, you know, we start to get a little sympathy for Gaz here, you know, not necessarily the worst dude. Still kind of a jerk, but you know, he's got a lot weighing in on him and he's got all his debts and stuff and just bitter about everything, so Yeah. Not the biggest jerk. Kind of a jerk. Still kind of a jerk. A little bit. <laughs> Uh, I mean, he did straight up tell Kaladin to off himself, so, like, that wasn't cool. Alright, and then, historians are liars, and, oh, Shallan's trying to start studying the, the High Princess, figure out how she's going to get them to ally with her as she's looking for, uh, Erythiru. And she's also, is trying to research a little bit about Erythiru and, you know, the historians are all are liars. And patterns like, hey, that's good. Or something. Like, that's not a compliment. <laughs> that's a good lie. <laughs> that's a good lie. And uh, so pattern and, I mean, Spren and those of the cognitive realm kind of live in this world of relative truth. And we also get a, a little bit of info about the spiritual realm, which is a place of pure truth, maybe absolute truth. So, like, it's kind of interesting because I tend more to the absolutism side. And, you know, as like I, the things that Pattern is saying are things that don't sit well with me. But the the perspective of the Cosmere as a whole is super interesting because you've got, you know, you've got the absolute spiritual realm and then you've got the relative cognitive realm and then i assume that the material realm is some kind of blending of both absolutism and relativism it's super fascinating and i really hope that we uh get more details on three realms and how they all interact with each other in this sense so uh yeah you got they whip my beak a little bit on that one and that's why i said paternius pilot because Pontius Pilate was famous for saying what is truth, right? So, um, also, Pattern slips up and lets us know that Voidbringers have their own separate spren, uh, apart from non-Voidbringers. And uh, we also get uh, the word shattered is thrown out there, uh, not in reference to planes, but in reference to these powers, or perhaps shards, and uh, the word odium caught my eye because is that the guy? It's like, is that the guy? Odium? That's and the guy. Is that the guy from Cosmere 101? That's the guy. The guy. So who are honor and cultivation? Are they also parts of odium? Is there like... No. No, 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 no. no. Sorry. Different to the guy. 
the guy you're thinking of is Adonalsium. Oh, yeah. No, Adonalsium was Stormfather, I thought. No. Adonalsium was what everything, all the shards were until they were... Uh, Broken up into honor, cultivation, and odium. And others, yes. And preservation, preservation and ruin, and, and that's five, Devotion, 11 others. Dominion. Oh, so these are all individual shards, honor, yeah. cultivation, yeah. and odium. And is odium the shard of Roshar? No. Odium is also, what's the Stormfather's name? When they say Stormfather, he had a name that that we learned before. Was that Adonalsium as well? No. No. Uh, oh, yeah, he had that... Um, yeah, oh, it's a palindrome, I think, actually. Yeah, and it was really long and convoluted, and it was like the holy name of God, and it only ever comes up that in that one conversation with that Oh, artist. you made me say it, and I didn't know what it was. Yeah, I think it had a TH. Like, it had a... It was a palindrome with a... Or no, maybe... Yeah, no, that was another it. word for... Um, honor, I think. Okay, so where have I heard the where have I heard odium before? It was probably referenced in Way of Kings, um, briefly at the very end. Yeah. So he, he's I don't he's the big bad. I think I could say that. Uh, at the end of Way of Kings, Dalinar's having a vision, and it's when he realizes that the visions are recordings and not actually happening. In real mm-hmm. time, you know, like, and and the the big boomy voice tells him, and I'm sorry because Odium killed me. Oh, okay. Oh, he to do the done killed honor. Sodium, and he it is in Cosmere 101, I believe we mentioned that Odium was the one who killed the devotion and dominion. I see. Anyway, so Odium is the shard of Roshar. No. Oh wait, you said. Hold on. This is Shard of Roshar. Uh, you're asking the wrong question. Uh, what is the what <laughs> is the not the not the shard bearer? No, those are the shards. Honor, cultivation. Yeah, what are the shards? shards? The shard bearers of those have different names. Right. So what? Who? Who are the shards? What are the shards? Honor, cultivation, and odium. All three of them. Yeah. Mm, sure. Okay. I mean, Scadrial had to. As did so, Cell. Oh, so is Honor the tenth shard? Is Honor ten? One of them. He certainly be likes the number ten. So they yeah, can't all be the number. I had to guess one of those three to be ten. It would be Honor. Ten is definitely tied to Honor. Okay, and then uh, Shalon goes to eat dinner with Tyne, and Tyne's like, "Uh, you can drop the act, girl. I I admire what you're doing, but you need some pointers in your con artist game." And that's the end of chapter 24. She needs to level up her rogue class. Persuade Servierance. Would it be rogue or would it be bard? I mean... I guess it's more of I a I think they both class. get access to the relevant skills, don't they? Yeah. Swashbuckler. I, I think given Shalon's, well, spellcasting ability, it would be more bard than anything. Oh, uh, she's... Yeah, or, yeah, she's got those illusion spells, yeah. Cool. There's a lot in this chapter despite not much happening. I mean, yeah, and there. Are, this is, might be the longest chapter out of this week's readings, actually. All right, chapter 25. Monsters. Smoke form. Smart grass. Smarter horses. Yannette. Horse grooming is a bilingual sport. Oh, I think it's supposed to be unisex. <laughs> no, bilingual. That that tracks. Uh, Moash tries to rain <laughs> on the horse's parade. Drearify should be a word. Spray and dreamstorm. Kaladin has equinophobia. 
Moash stayed overtime for his shift, eh? All right, so we got the horse training. The grass. Is, is it the horse training, or is it the horses are training the bridge? Bridge four. People? No, the bridges are doing their horse training. Okay. <laughs> that is the bridge. Uh, all right, so the grass is smart and tries to hide from the horses so they don't eat it, but the horses uh, lick the grass to make it come out, and because the horses lick the trick and trick the grass into thinking it's a high storm, so like, oh, I'm gonna get get the water, and then the horse is like, gotcha. <laughs> Uh, so that's, that's exactly cool. what they think too. Gotcha. <laughs> and we have a stable master, Yannette, who is apparently uh, an ex-girlfriend of Adeline's. It's pretty funny. Uh, yeah. And and she and, is not bitter about it at all. Yeah. All right. So Moash is basically the only bridge guy that's really excited about learning how to ride a horse. And then. Uh, Sophrena shows up, and, you know, Kaladin doesn't like horses at all, but he understands the usefulness of them, and he needs to get over his fears. But Sophrena shows up, and she's like, what drearified you today? <laughs> and it's it's a word. Trust her. <laughs> so we have uh, Kaladin is riding on an old horse named Spray, who is just uh, wants to chill. And then there's this uh, bucking bronco. Named Dreamstorm. Is Bronco a horse or a cow? Bronco's a horse. Okay. Uh, yeah, so there's uh, that's the other horse, Dreamstorm. And I like how they're both named after precipitation and how their names very much reflect their personality. There's Spray, <laughs> just a light misting, and then uh, Dreamstorm. <laughs> And Adeline jokingly goads uh, Kaladin to like getting on, like, oh, why don't you try that horse? That's a real horse or something. And Kaladin, not, you know, not uh, falling for Adeline's uh, smugness, but actually, you know, wanting to uh, overcome his equinophobia. You know, he's like, all right, I'm gonna get on this horse. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use my magic to glue myself to the saddle and. I guess he was protecting. Okay, oh, hold on. Side note here. I don't know if you guys have like watched videos of upset horses trying to dislodge riders, but they don't just like run and jump and buck around. They will roll. You're glued to the horse, and the horse decides to roll. You you're getting crushed by like thousand. They roll. That's awesome. But they, they will no, roll. Yeah. Tied up. This one's tied up. It's okay. tied to a pole or something. I'm just saying, it, this is, I think, a bad move on Kaladin's part. Although, yeah, I guess... Haven't you ever played Breath of the Wild? If you get too tired, <laughs> all you have to do is eat a Stamella shroom. Hello? You just quickly pause a moment. <laughs> Hold on, horse. Let me eat this mushroom real quick. Yeah, just pause, uh, eat six wheels of cheese, and you get all your health back. <laughs> uh, boy. Yep, so, anyway... The horse, like, stops for a second, and Kaladin's like, ha, I did it. And then the glue wears off, and then the horse is like, nope, and he's gone. <laughs> and then... Uh, Do the laugh track. High Prince, what's-his-face, shows up. Dalinar, I think they called him in this chapter. He shows up, <laughs> and he's like, uh, good job, soldier, but you might want to not ride that horse again. And Kaladin was like, oh, sorry, I've, I fell on top of him. And then Adeline's like, thanks for not ratting me out, kid. I slipped on a banana peel <laughs> and fell on top of the horse. Into the saddle. 
and then the horse made me fall on top of the ground where the banana peel was, which is why you don't see a banana peel. I'm sitting on it. <laughs> yep. And then uh, also, oh, Kaladin's talking to the other guy. His name starts with an N, I think. He was on guard, right? Nathan. 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 And he, you know, mentions that Moash was hanging out late on that uh, balcony assassination attempt. And Kaladin's like, oh, I thought he, I told him to go home oh, when I went home. You know, it's funny. It looks like Natam is a cameo for Brandon's friend named Nathan. You uh-huh. said, I, I think you said Nathaniel, but that was pretty close. I get it. Any more questions about chapter 25? Uh, yeah, why didn't you uh, talk about how Adolin's ex-girlfriend throws rocks at him while she's delivering her? That was hilarious. Like, that's I... almost as good as, uh, as I've forgotten his name, Adolin's little brother. Renarin? Renarin, flinging himself from a roof <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> With the shard fleet. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta learn. I, Actually, I like it. that better than the Yannette part. Sort no, of I like that she's she's over there talking to the bridgeman about horse things, and she she talks as she bends down and picks up the rock and continues talking as she throws the rock. And <laughs> Yeah, there's no break in her in her speech. Like Sometimes you just gotta throw a rock at Adeline. <laughs> I'd like to imagine that through this entire scene, she is continuing to just huck rocks at him the whole time. Uh, like like Adolin's like, hey, hey, bridge boy, you should get up on that. Ow, horse, ow. You know? Yeah? No? Okay. Yes, that's exactly how it went down. But, yeah. Uh, girls being mad at Adolin is going to be funny forever. Yep. Back. Chapter Sorry, 26. Someone, someone was at the door. All right. Chapter 26. The Feather. Yuck em up. Sliced cake plateau. Eshonai, Parshenshi, Shardbearer. Inducements. Yak is a yerk. 49 days until new storm. All right, now we've got Adeline. He's out on a plateau assault, and this is not uh, Dalinar's turn. He's just sending Adeline so that the army can have an extra shard bearer, and this is an attempt to display unity among the high princes, right? So uh, this should help. And then Adeline's got his friend... uh, Yakimov, or Yakimov, as I like to call him. And, you know, they're having a good time. And then there's this uh, plateau. It's kind of like two halves of a plateau that are like split. And it looks like tiered cake. And also, it looks man-made. And also, Shattered Plains is just erythru, like fossilized and broken up. <laughs> um, basic. I wonder if the towers were that uh, Wonder Sail went. And sliced cake plateau. But yeah, so many of the plateaus look like they have man-made structures on them, basically. Kind of the point. And then uh, Eshenai meets Adeline at the top of the the, tier, the top cake tier. And she's like, you're not Dalinar. Tell Dalinar I want to talk to him. Don't kill the messenger when I send him. And then... I don't think Yakimup was there. Like he was, he might have been like still on the tier below. I'm not sure, but Yakimup doesn't really say anything about it. I don't think. I don't remember. And then they go back. Uh, inducement. What are inducement? Yeah. Something that. Oh, so yeah, they're saying how like 
at least is that Sadius is kind of like he's he's bribing people to not yeah, yeah to not duel with yep uh, to not duel with Adeline and then who's Yak oh Yakimov sure for Yakimov uh so Yak is a yerk because he won't hang out with his best friend because he doesn't want to ruin his reputation and oh, good man and forty nine days until new storm. And that's the end of chapter 26. Would you accept a bribe to not do a thing? Because I feel like I would. Yeah, I'm already not doing it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, not necessarily. If if I had a moral obligation to do it, maybe not. Yeah, but, but you have to remember, this is a bribe from Sadia. How much yeah, do you but it's not like. Yeah, but he's just telling me not to like get in a fight and risk my shard blade. Like, yeah, well, okay. Pretend that you're a person who likes to duel. And and that's sort of the thing. Like, it's easy to not do it when you already don't do it. But what if it's like, hey, don't play video games. Here's some or, money. Or, like, don't enter that speedrunning competition. I might yeah. consider that, actually, for money. Yeah, I mean, why not? But it's you like... gotta look at the source. Who is asking you? And know. why are they paying you money to do a not thing? I think the person giving the money really would affect my decision. Well, it's more of why are they paying you money to not do something it's it's very it's an odd thing to do when someone's willing to give up money that easy the odds are in my favor chapter 27 fabrications to distract five years ago uh the garden (laughs) lots of yelling mom soul so got some shallan backstory and it starts off she's in the gardens which kind of Reminds me of, isn't that where she first met Pattern in the gardens? So maybe had this was like the moment, or at least the place, where Pattern first started following Shallan. Uh, a lot of people like yelling in her house, and then she's got like a drunken gambling brother who's like, I'm the only responsible one around here. I'm the only sane person left in the family. And then uh, she has to wear a new dress to dinner. And then she goes back to her room and she's like, can't you guys see that that bright light shining behind that box over there? And it's mom soul. And that's the end of chapter 27. Every question. Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> All right. Chapter 28. Boot. These gals need to hire Wayne. The Bob people. <laughs> True. <laughs> the Pav people are important because they're unimportant. Eye drops are only useful in the games where the darkness status effect persists after combat. Tyne's previous job, Smart Grass, Dark Eyed Horse Guy, Princess Unuluku Ak Autu Atei. Boots. And cats. Uh, so, mm, Puss in boots. Alrighty. So. over there? What's happening? Shalon and Tyne are talking about conning and accents. And I'm just thinking, like, when, if Wayne. Wayne should be a world hopper and he can go around to all the planets teaching everybody how to be better at accents. So, that so should there's be a Wayne's problem. Life. At the time of this book, Wayne hasn't been born yet. So unless he figures out time travel as well, he can't do it yet. Sure. That's true. Not already time travels. Borrow something. All he has to do is uh, opposite burn uh, Bendeloy. <laughs> opposite burn. So Freeze. does that throw up? <laughs> yeah, if you throw up, 
Could you go back in time? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like... Think I'll, about it. Throwing I'll up throw is up. basically going back in time. I'll throw up so I can go back in time to before <laughs> I threw up because it was gross and I didn't like it. <laughs> think about it, though. Like, all right, so like you eat something, right? Say you eat poison or something, and your body's like, oh, we need to go rectify the past so that I don't ha have eaten that poison and have the poison in my stomach. Throwing up is your body's way of time traveling to the moment before you ate that poison. That's not quite what's happening, but sure. That's that's one <laughs> way to think of it. Well, if if you're a if you're a, a slider then it is. That's a <laughs> and you can throw up sliders. Okay. So or you what can you're throw saying a slider if you're a pitcher. What you're saying is that the flux capacitor is tequila. <laughs> sure. Okay. I hope all of our listeners are are learning things today. <laughs> yeah, it's a new Dave theory. I was speaking of Dave theories. I think there was one I typed in chat a month ago and forgot to actually bring up during episode discussion. Oh no! You remember what it was? No, I'm gonna bring it up. I typed uh, that. We go straight from August to October. Yeah, we need more Dave to theories. Early November. Uh, we'll be oh, adding another okay. IP I'm to the Cosmere tomorrow. October. All right, I'm talking about what I wrote October 18th. So, about how shard blades work, and how I think that shard blades actually exist on the cognitive realm, and sever things that way. Did I talk about that on the show? Right. I'll go over it again, just in case. So, I'm like, talking about it. Sure. you know how shard blades, they can, you know, sever your the use of your arm, right? But they won't actually cut through the material of your arm, as long as you're alive. And my theory is that... It severs your arm on the cognitive realm, but on the material realm, they're still attached. And they can't be detached on the material realm because you're still alive. However, yeah. if they kill you, then being severed on the cognitive realm allows them to be severed in the material realm because there's no consciousness holding them together as one entity. That's uh, pretty pretty fair. That's, that was my big old theory. And then I was wondering if there was some way that, like, maybe Yasna slash Shalon. At the time I wrote it, Yasna wasn't, quote, dead yet. So <laughs> um, maybe they'll find some way to actually reattach limbs in the cognitive realm and reverse, you know, shard blade damage. But anyways, I was thinking of that for some reason. And then I remembered writing it down, but I don't know if we talked about it. All right, so for Dave Theory. All right, uh, chapter 28, Boots. So there, so Wayne's going to come and school, school these ladies. And Bob people, they're just some unimportant people. But, you know, it's like the uh, it's like the Invisible Man short story where, like, spoiler alert, the mailman did it. But no one saw him because it's just the mailman. Um, in fact, uh, Tyne even suggests, like, oh, if your accent's good enough, then you can hide a sword and they won't notice it. But not Kaladin. Kaladin notices stuff. Oh, also they have these eye drops, which can turn a light eyes into a dark eyes temporarily for a few hours. Uh, however, they do not know if there's any way to do the reverse outside of the stories they've heard of people winning shards and becoming light eyes. Uh, yep, and Tyne is also talks about her previous job, like, oh, all the people that worked for me never got back to me, I wonder, I, I bet they just made off with the booty without me, and, well, that's just the way it goes, being a, being a con artist sometimes, you win some, you lose some, uh, 
you know, the loot is transient, she said. And I'm like, do you send those people to Yasna's ship? <laughs> is that what's going on here? They didn't come back because they all drowned? Suspicious, if you ask me. All right, that's, 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 that's a new Dave. That's a new Dave theory that the people that sunk Yasna's... Well, Shalon sunk Yasna's. People that killed Yasna were working for time. Wait, did you just say they killed Yasna? Well, they thought they did. They were hired to kill Yasna, I meant. Dang, it almost caught you. Uh, there's more smart When are you gonna admit that she's dead, Dave? I told you, in the Cosmere, everyone's alive until proven dead. You know, you know they have a saying for this. No body, no crime, Sean. <laughs> no woman, no cry. Alright, so we run into Kaladin, learning how to ride a horse on patrol, and, uh, yeah, this is a little frustrating right now, because... Tyne is goading Shallan into taking on a persona. So when Shallan actually, you know, goes to tell her story to Dalinar and uh, Navani, uh, she's not going to have a lot of credibility. And She throws uh, a wrench in the boot. And then she, so she pretends to be a horn eater princess. And Kaladin's like, you're a little skinny to be a horn eater. And she's like, I'm insult. Take shoot. She's like, no apology. Boots. And they get Kaladin to give up the boot, his boots, and he goes back barefoot, like like Kaladin or something, or like Kelsier. And but he's riding a horse, so it's okay. And he can also lash himself to the saddle, so he doesn't need to keep his feet in the stirrups. Wait, is that the right word? So this is the yes, that's I the right word. Saddle. Okay. <laughs> This is the first scene we have where two viewpoint characters are meeting each other for the first time. Like in this this particular, these two characters. Okay. Yeah, and, this is the first time Shallan meets anybody on the Shattered Plane. That's true. A any of the characters we've been following that aren't Yasna. She um, tangentially interacted with Navani and gang before, but they didn't. Well, they hang on. Do they actually wait? They will know that this is her. Shalon, Shalon already met Gaz. Gaz got a viewpoint. You're both wrong. <laughs> Boom. Uh, and it's one connected universe proven <laughs> through Gaz. Um, it's, it's the Gazverse. No, so, so it's the same book. <laughs> the downside is that, of course, they meet and she is acting like a horn eater princess. That yeah. seems awfully fishy. Uh, I mean, she'd be, she has a picture of Yasna. She should be able to prove herself, but she, she didn't make it easy on herself. I think... Uh, I, I think that they will know that Shallan is the person who drew the Chasm Fiends, you know, back in Book One, right? Because, I mean, Yasna was in contact, like, oh, yeah, my word, Shallan, blah, yeah. blah, blah. So they, they, will, they will connect Shallan, uh, Adeline's uh, betrothed or whatever, to the person who drew the Chasm Fiends in Book One, I believe. They should know that that's the same person. So they, they know who Shallan is. They just haven't met. But anyway... Bootless cow and bootful gal, but she can't fill the boots because they're too big. Big shoes to fill. Big shoes to fill. Big shoes to fill. All right, you can stop me anytime. I'm I'm done here. I would like to do that. Yes, please. Okay. Have fun talking about Witham of Rar. Wait, do we have any questions for Dave for this week? Do you? Do we? I don't know. That's what I was putting it out there before we kicked Dave out. Yeah, I don't think okay. I do. All right, Dave. I'm talk to you later. Bye bye. Hey, Bye, Dave. Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. 
There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. All right, Correct. what do we have to talk to or talk about in these chapters? Hi, guys. I have something. Surprise. Okay. Chapter 26, uh, we get Renarin. He has one of his fits when he was putting on his shard plate, and he, he summoned the blade that was bonded to, not Giles. And he says he has a fit. And while we now know that this is a sign that he's uh, I mean, a Knight's Radiant, because it's screaming at him, you know, the, the shard blade itself is screaming at him, and he can't handle that. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not really his fit so much as it's just a normal thing that shard blades do to, to Knight Radiant. Normal, quote-unquote. Yep, because uh, his bond, I believe, has already cured his epilepsy. Yeah. So this is things that we have to keep an eye out for in this book as we're reading. Uh, there are hints that Renarin is on the path to be a Knight Radiant. We, of course, get confirmation of that at the end of the book, but you can still look for signs. Um, and you can also keep an eye out for um, Elokar. He sees cryptics. I know I pointed this out before, but whenever there's uh, a scene with him, like keep an eye out when the the stuff he mentions that he sees, his paranoia and everything, it's a sign that he's seeing cryptics, much like Shallan did. Oh, and I believe Renarin's eyesight has also been corrected as of as of this right but he's wearing fake glasses still i think so yeah any any time you see him wearing glasses from from like now on uh he's just doing it for show so he doesn't freak people out or worry them um the other thing i wanted to mention is the epigraph for chapter 26 which is i'm gonna quote it now they blame our people for the loss of that land the city that once covered it did range the eastern strand the power made known in the tomes of our clan our gods were not who shattered these planes. So they are specifically saying their gods. We know their gods from future books. Their gods are, are basically uh, the fuse and, and people like that. They're saying they weren't the ones who caused the shattered plane. So that's interesting. I think uh, who did what happened. So I think now Dave was theorizing that this is Uruthiru, but that's not the case. Um, it was Natan. Natan, I think it is. That like that was what was located on the Shattered Plains. Um, th- those are the ruins that we see. Natanatan, I believe, yes. is the uh, proper name for, for the region. Um, so, yeah, it's it's sort of a question, like, why did that shatter? And, again, I think it it always comes back to the Recreants. I, I feel like that's the most important thing that has happened on this planet, the Recreants. I think it comes down to that. I just don't know what exactly happened on the Shattered Plains yet. <laughs> Uh, Hamisha says, to be honest, if someone I knew needed glasses and got a shard blade, I would absolutely require him to wear them. And, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's the point. He doesn't need glasses any- anymore. Well, nobody else knows that, and he has a blade capable of cutting through blade. literally everything, so... Yeah, if one of my friends was like, oh, I totally don't need my glasses anymore. Let's go out. I'll drive. I'd be like, I'm going to need the results of that eye exam because, yeah. Yep. It's, it's essentially like driving a car. You, you don't want to drive a car without glasses if you need glasses. Same as a shard blade. Shard blades and cars are exactly the same thing. Craig 2020. That's, that's my platform. <laughs> but no, guys, what do you think shattered the plane? Um... I mean, it's described as though something very large was dropped on it, right? A hot pancake on a cold plate. (laughs) And I I will point out it's symmetrical. It sort of reminds, I think, Shallan of the the patterns from the sand. Right. 
And that's that's which, sort which of the next the music. next thing I was going to bring up was that it is um like like the like the plates with with the you know, the the sand patterns um it falls right. into something similar to that if you also take into account thousands of years of of erosion. So just just to review the the whole patterns on a sand plate and uh, I would like any of our listeners to correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe those are just the waveforms for, for different notes. So each note has a different wave, and that's what you basically see being vibrated uh, on the plate. Um, so it's a certain note. Each each city, in fact, happens to be uh, a certain pattern, lowercase p pattern. And uh, it's essentially each each it's a different note. Each city, including the Shatter Plains, is a different note. And so, yeah, there likely is a sand pattern for the Shattered Plains and yep. like a separate pattern for uh, Natanatan. And maybe this is like a bunch of the Skybreakers working together with Division for some reason. Could be. I, we I don't, don't know. know enough about Division. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Uh, yeah we that's just, all I had for this week. We just don't have enough info, I think, to, to make a good guess. I wanted to say that this week's chapters includes two of my very favorite scenes. The the whole horse riding scene with Kaladin concluding with you monster. Like just that he, he because as Craig mentions, he's never gonna need to ride a horse again. <laughs> Craig said that in the chat. Like Well, he didn't he, know that at the time. Right. Like but seriously, the horse riding thing never comes up again. And so just that it, it got slipped in there. Like a scene like that, a scene that never comes up again is usually like the first thing the editors are going to suggest you cut. But it's such a good scene. It's such a good scene. And like it makes sense at the time. So it's it's the po- importance of the scene is not necessarily the horse riding part. It's the bonding that's happening between Calden and Adeline. It's their oh, interaction yeah. and, that's and, the most important. And Kaladin is is investigating uh, the assassination attempt at the same time, so he's learning information that makes him suspicious of Moash. And that does come up. Let's not lose sight of how great it is that what's her face was throwing rocks at Adolin. That is so great. We <laughs> cannot lose sight of that. It's 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 a great chapter for characterization all around, and I I just love it. Now, I believe that the second point you're about to make does get referenced again a lot. So a please. Lot. No what, apology. Boots. That's, oh, that's Boots one. does get referenced a heck of a lot. Boots. Everything about that is fantastic. Like every conversation they have from this point forward references that she stole his boots. I mean, that's how they met. I pointed it out with Dave. This is their first interaction. And Shalon is a liar and she steals his boots. That's... <laughs> That's the basis of their friendship. Which, at the time, is just, oh, yeah, she's a Light Eyes. Of course she stole my boots, and she didn't yeah, need to. No. That's how Light Eyes work. <laughs> uh, um, there, yeah. was, there was one thing you, you just mentioned, Tori. What was, what was your previous point? Oh, the, the horse. Yes, Shoot. and the first time I read this, I was like, oh, he's going to end up with a Rishadium. And then he promptly does not need a Rishadium, because he can fly now. But yep. I really thought that's where that was going to go. And it, it could maybe later, who, who knows, like, because the, the horse picks the rider and not the other way around. So maybe we're going to have some stubborn Rashadium showing up like, no, you need to ride me. Get out of the sky. Oh, no. Fly, ride a horse. Uh, I mean, that, that does bring up an excellent uh, point of 
Okay, so Rashadium are considered the unofficial third shard, right? There's there's shard plate, there's shard blades, and then there's Rashadium. Right. That that's how they consider it, yeah. How does that how do Rashadium interact with like actual um radiance now? We haven't seen mm. anything on that yet. Right. Because like the there are four orders that explicitly don't need and can't use a horse. The two that can fly and the two that can slide. Uh, theoretically, once or theoretically, like the transportation surge might not need them. I don't know. Depends on how that well, ends you have up to working. Dip into the cognitive realm seems a little dangerous to use it that way. But hey, maybe. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Around. Because and now we're getting into rhythm of war stuff. But uh, you know, the pursuer. Oh, wait, hang on. Uh, Phil Knight just said in the chat. Don't know about you, but I think flying slidey horses would be hilarious. <laughs> and they would. No, if this is like if this is like D and D, you know, your animal companion. If you cast a spell on yourself, your animal companion gets it. So if your it's animal true. companion is your mount, then I had a character that was a druid with a, a a wolf that she could ride on, and I would literally like. Let's use spider climb and run up the wall together, and I'll just use my bow to rain death from above. So, like, you know, what if your horses also get the benefit of your surges? That would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. But, uh, so, side note here, um, when we were reading Dawn Shard, and you find out that the um, you know, the Larkins needed to bond with Spren in order to grow bigger, and then it's like, okay, well, but that's how... The great shells get so big is because they're they're bonded with spren also, and we know that Rashadium have some kind of connection to music spren. So are they bonded with the spren? And it, I don't know where I'm going with this, but help me out. Are they regular horses that bonded with spren to become bigger, better horses? Something like that, yeah. Is there another spren they could then bond with to become a biggest, bestest horses? <laughs> Okay, that's, that's well, not what I was thinking, but I like where you're going with it. Is, is well, there the a Pokemon evolution for for Rishadium to be Rishadiest? Yeah, and, and I'm not saying they're necessarily ordinary horses that are bonding with Spren, but they are some kind of horses that do need to bond with Spren, maybe. Yes. So Larkins are bonding with, what, Luck, Luck Spren, I think? Yeah. Which are not sentient. Or Fortune Spren. I forget if it's Fortune or Luck Spren. Um, but they're not sentient. Which is why I believe they need multiple of them. Um, Rashadium, from what we've seen, have some kind of bonding with music spren, but we don't know if there's any kind of sentient spren that also bonds with them. Because if it's a sentient spren, they only need one. If it's just a regular non sentient spren, they probably need multiple, like Larkins. Are Rashadium an 11th uh, Night Radiant? And Fel Knight has a, found a, us the word of Brandon that talks about. Um... Rishadiums. Uh So they evolved symbiotically with Spren, unlike other horses. They can still mate with other horses, but they are genetically distinct. And then later someone asks, will we be finding out more about Rishadium? And Sanderson says, yes, but it's one of those things we're going to find out in little bits here and there. I mean, I think I've told people they are animals that have managed to form a Spren bond, which has given them more than, an, more than animal intelligence. It is the symbiosis there that is letting them. So if they do not have the spren bond, they wouldn't be, and that's where it stops. They wouldn't be Rashadium. So my original thought with Rashadium was they reminded me a lot of the return from Warbreaker, and what if they are dead hero horses? What what if? What if they're cognitive shadow horses? Sure. 
Right, because they're bigger, better horses. Like, what if they are Einherharan horses? I feel Ein like this is making it more complicated. Uh, I think it's just the bond with the Spren that's making them the more idealized versions of themselves, rather than them being cognitive shadows. It, it really depends on if horses... Because I think for a horse to become a cognitive shadow, it would have to be think, thought of strongly by people and other horses, which maybe doesn't have not, not with a normal horse... They seem to idolize the Rashadium, which are already bigger and better. So I don't think they're cognitive shadow horses. I think it's just the sprint bond. Sprint, sprint are powerful. All right. Shall we move on to Rhythm of War? Uh, yes, we shall. Okay. All right. Uh, and... Craig, is there anything from part two that you would like to go back over because you weren't here last week? Probably not. No? I, I... I don't remember exactly what was in part two. Well, in the various parts. I, I know what's in part four and part five. I have stuff I want to discuss. In. Uh, part two ended with the uh, with the fu- blah, 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 with the fused taking the tower. There is one thing I did want to mention, which could go for part two or part three. doesn't matter. But I love that Navani's antagonist is an evil scholar. Yeah, that's primarily like, I, part I, three thing. Yeah, I, I love the interaction between the two, and I think it's great that this is this is Navani's foil. Like this is this is who she has to go against. It's not you know a warrior, anyone like that. We have an evil scholar. That is so cool. All right, how do you feel about Kaladin Stormblessed action therapist? I like it. I really I really like it. I, I like that he's taking that path towards improving other people it's it's a way to help people um who seriously need help like we we need therapy in this world because um i I think it's in part two where we actually get to see the conditions that they're living in and it's hard it's 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 worse than prison uh technically i think we saw it in oathbringer maybe even in words of radiance but i don't know that we got explicitly told that yeah everybody who has any sort of of mental illness uh, that is severe enough that they've sought help. Uh, yeah, lock them in a dark room. Yep, forever. It's, it's horrible, and and just being able to get people to just interact and talk about their issues and a support structure. You need a support structure. This is great, and I am I'm glad Sanderson's writing about it because this this is great. Like this is a this is a great thing to I think discuss and point out, and I think it's a good thing for Kaladin to do. Like. It's it's more than just healing physical wounds. That there's mental that need help as well, and he's doing it. It's well, even stuff. if you just look at the history of mental health in the real world, um, that's how people used to do. Is if they thought mm. you were crazy, they'd lock you up. And we look at those practices now with our modern mental health capabilities, and and we say, oh my gosh, how barbaric! But just think where we're going to be a century from now or two centuries from now when people look back on, oh, you mean they just used to give you therapy and drugs? How barbaric. Like, yeah, that'll be a good day. <laughs> it's always funny when you can look back a hundred and be like, that was barbaric and we've gotten better. Like, it, it's it's good to see us in um, the species. All right. Onward to part three. Uh, Tori, okay, so, can you? Yes. Yep. I'm going to start by summing up the interludes before part three, because we should have talked about them last week, and uh, I forgot. So we're going to talk about the interludes, and then part three, and then some interludes again, if that's okay with everybody. Please. Okay. Interludes. Moash is Vire now, but we still hate him. He gives Odium advice on taking down Kaladin. Um, I don't sorry, hate Corey. Moash slash Vire. 
you you just reminded me of something that Dave has has mentioned, Tori. Uh, it's unfortunate, but Dave has been spoiled. I don't know if he talked about this last episode, but we, we didn't he, bring it up. But yeah, he has been pointed out that there's a subreddit called Screw Mo Ash only, not not in that R slash F Mo Ash. Yep. But spell the uh, he F knows out. It exists. Which, how can you avoid it? Anytime you go anywhere related to Stormlight Archives, someone will point that out if Moash. So he knows that exists, but he doesn't know why it exists. But just keep an eye out for that. I feel like it's going to taint his perspective of Moash because he knows Moash is going to do something that we hate. So, And this this interlude is one of those things? On, on this yeah. topic, uh, I don't hate Moash. I find all of his actions to be completely understandable i don't agree with them necessarily but uh i Wait, get it driving kaladin to suicide yeah you're okay with this no i just said i don't agree with his actions i understand them i don't understand it really because he explained it nah he's a jerk i don't care okay but that doesn't mean <laughs> that you didn't understand it yes i i partially understand even if it is the wrong thing to do I see where he's coming from, but keep in mind, at that point in time, he's also under Odium influence, who is eating his passion or whatever it is that Odium is doing. Yeah, which is a thing he wants, and he's trying to help his friend also achieve that. Like, he's not happier, but he's way less sad, and sometimes that's enough, and it is for him. So, did I lose right, everybody? Going. Okay. Going, Tori. Okay, next interlude. Lift rescues a chicken. What, no discussion about the chicken? I was expecting you to say more. It's a red chicken, isn't it? That's the one Yes, it's a red chicken. Do, uh, do we actually no, know what that chicken is? Like, is it just a parrot or what? I mean, we're assuming it's an AVR because it got attacked by the other AVR. Yeah. yeah. It, it was attacked by um, Raze's AVR. Like, we know that, but we don't know what this red chicken is. But in the process of rescuing this chicken, Lift, Lift does get taken captive. Um and just a reminder that I'm, I'm very quickly going over these summaries because someday, years from now, as the diagram foretold, we will actually go into these chapters in more depth. We're just covering him, covering them here for the first time since it was only recently published. Correct. So that's all I'm going to say about the chicken. Okay. Next interlude. Dumb Teravangian still manages to trick Odium. So... Teravangian gets sucked into an Odium vision, and uh, he's having a very dumb day, and so he doesn't feel like this is a good day to face off against Odium, but he kind of grabs a notebook and pretends it's important, and Odium's like, oh, look at you with your notebook, and rips it up, um, and it wasn't actually important, but Teravangian was pretending, and so he's like, oh my gosh, dumb me tricked Odium. He's just some guy, and it was kind of a big revelation for him. And a bully, That's, apparently. That reminds me of, um, Vin has the same kind of revelation about Ruin, where she's like, she realizes he's just a guy. Isn't it, Vin? Yeah, when he's the... gloating to her, because he can't, he doesn't really get the option, he doesn't really get the chance to gloat to anybody. Right. So when, it's when people realize these shard holders are just the guy with a very strong intent. Like, that's all they are. Raze is just some guy. Picking on a helpless old man. Well, Raze does what he do. I mean... Picking on a currently helpless old man. Not always helpless. Raze is also a much, much older man, but less helpless. <laughs> That's true. So, old man fight. Okay. Any questions about the interludes? Nope. All Please right. continue. So, moving into the meat of part three, um, 
we basically have three different sections. There's the flashbacks, there's the stuff happening at the tower, and then there's the stuff happening over in Emul. So this is the first part where we actually get the flashbacks, I think. Yes. I don't think we got any in part two. True. Which I believe my thoughts until this point were, I know this was supposed to be Venli's and Ishinai's prelude, or sorry, flashbacks, but we didn't get them yet. It's like weird, but here yep. they are. They start in part three. Yep. In part three, we get flashbacks from Eshenai and Vinley recounting the listeners' first meetings with humans, the evolution of diplomatic relations between the two races, and the eventual discovery of war form. Any questions? No? Good. I'm, I'm Let's surprised. Let's get back to the action. I'm surprised that I thought war form, my interpretation of war form was that it was they actually knew about. Uh, I didn't realize it was Venli who was the one who discovered it. Except I know Nimble Form at the time of, I think, uh, Words of Radiance, it's sort of like new-ish. It's relatively new. It wasn't but Venli yeah, who War discovered it. War Form is also it. new. Wasn't, though. What, War yeah, Form? So yeah, so in the, in the flashbacks, um, we, we see Venli being jealous of Eshenai. Uh We see Venli meeting with human named Axendweth, which... To me, sounds like a really terrorist name. I don't know about the rest of you guys. Uh, this person also wore a bunch of rings. That was explicitly uh, noted. So this this character gives Vinley a rock with a sprint in it, and that turns out to be um, the the first little void sprint. That's that's the void sprint that we've actually have a name to, like Ulam or something. Yes, I think that's. I didn't write that down. He is the void sprint that is a pain in the butt. But he, he's the one who works towards getting the Everstorm. But that's also where Venli learns about these other forms that she quote-unquote discovers. Yep. So that's about it for the flashbacks. So at the tower. Kaladin goes full diehard in Irithiru, guided by the blinky LED strip that is the sibling. With help from Kuno the Ardent <laughs> and Dabid the Mute from Bridge 4, he's oh able to... Oh my god, it's so it's... good. It, no, it, it goes really full is. diehard. Yep, with blinky lights. Um, he's able to hide out with the unconscious Teft in rooms that were previously hidden. Meanwhile, Navani continues her work as a scholar and a Rabonial, thinking it's her best chance to find a way to overthrow her captors and save the tower. Like Penelope waiting for Odysseus, she has the scholars work while intentionally making no progress as she secretly plots with Kaladin using the sibling as a walkie-talkie. Though Kaladin manages to steal some of the span raids that run on Void Light, he later faces off against the Pursuer in a desperate bid to protect one of the sibling's defensive Fabrial nodes, ultimately being forced to break it to keep it out of Raboniel's hands. Navani manages to sneak him an Iron Man gauntlet, a sort of personal elevator Fabrial, still very much in the testing phase. Very, very badly designed. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> so badly designed. So badly <laughs> From Raboniel, Navani learns more about Stormlight, Voidlight, and another power called life light, as well as the connection between the lights and various musical tones. Somehow, Sanderson makes Raboniel seem like a sympathetic character, or maybe that's the Stockholm Syndrome talking. Eventually, another of the siblings' defensive nodes is attacked. Kaladin finds it defended by both the Pursuer and Leshwi, a familiar opponent, and he is ultimately forced to flee out into the High Storm to get away. Navani fears that all hope is lost. That's, so, so in, that's in the this, tip. Uh, Kaladin is Bruce Willis. Uh, Navani is uh, Sergeant Al Powell, uh, and Raboniel is uh, Hans Gruber. Does that track? Yes, very much. Apt. <laughs> there, There is even an air vent scene. Yeah, that's true. It's 
Like I, I will not. I refuse to believe that that uh, Brandon did anything besides watch Die Hard on a loop the whole time he was writing this section. <laughs> you gotta take notes, man. All right, this is this is what Calden's gonna be like. Perfect. In the uh, eventual movie or TV version of this, at some point, Navani needs to say, "I shot a kid." I don't know how they're gonna tie that in because I, I don't. Calden think... is all like, "Now I have a span read." Ho ho ho. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, can we talk about how how badly designed the Fabriel is? The the arm oh, Fabriel. Yeah. Ugh. Okay, so Navani's instructions to this to this guy were to make something that could act as an elevator, like improve the elevators, basically. Yeah. And what he made was something that you hold on to and point in a direction, and it shoots you that way as fast as the speed of falling. As fast as the weights that it's tied to will fall very fast. Which is the speed of falling. As long as it's heavier than you, and like, if the weights are close, then you'll you'll go slower because counterweights. Um, but yeah, I, So, I yeah. don't know if they mention the weight of these weights, but it's essentially like, here, hold this rope that's tied to the weights, and then, you know, you click a button to, to have the the thing let go, and suddenly you're yanked in that direction. You're like, here, yeah. hold this rope with some weights. Woof. It's it's a shoulder dislocating machine, yes. <laughs> uh, well, so the improvement was going to be make it a belt, so that way you have your center of gravity, like you have your whole body to handle the weight. Okay, and so, so that's just a whiplash machine then. That's better. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe the weight should not be very heavy. So uh, the scholar that came up with it, the, the nephew, I forget his name, um, I'm, I'm picturing him as like a young... Leonard of Quirm from the Discworld series. Yep. Like, Only... oh, I have this idea. It's a great idea. I'm going to do it. And then everyone's <laughs> pointing out, like, um, that's actually not a great idea. All of Leonard of Quirm's ideas turned into these, like, horrific super weapons. And he designed them to be just these, like, absolutely benign, you know, oh, yeah, this'll, this'll plow a field in 10 minutes. Uh, and it will also. Murder everyone in a ten mile radius. Right. No, the um there's a scene in Jingo where uh he's invented a submarine and um Colin and Nobbs are looking at the submarine and Nob Nobby is like, Oh my gosh, and you could like put a drill on the end and then you could drill up into enemy enemy ships and, and sink them from under the water and Leonard's like, Why would anybody do that? That's so barbaric. How could you think of that? But Every one of his inventions, he's like, look, I invented a thing. And someone else is like, oh, we could kill so many people with that. But yeah, very, very badly designed Fabriel, especially, and this one's on Navani. Uh, the squeeze to make it go did not take into account it ever coming into contact with something. What do you mean? Remember oh, when, when Kaladin runs into a wall? Yeah, hits the wall? Yeah. yeah. It's because... just a good thing Kaladin can use Stormlight, because otherwise he would not have an arm. Yep. Well, even um, the part where, like, your instinctive uh, reaction to things that scare you is to clinch. So it's like, oh no, squeezing my fist made the thing happen. Now I'm going to squeeze my fist even more. I mean, to give a little bit of defense here, Kaladin has certain instincts from being a Windrunner that he was trying to tap into that he couldn't do. Because this is not Windrunning. And also in defense of this object, like, yeah, it's bad, but it at least lets Calden do some some fancy things that he normally wouldn't be able to do. He he makes good use out of a faulty. Sure, but that doesn't make the tool better. 
No, it doesn't. I'm just saying at least he has something. It's a prototype. It's such a bad design. <laughs> it's such a bad design. There's a reason why elevators exist in the real world. It's a platform that's moved by weight. People don't hold on to ropes with the weight to go up and down floor. Yeah, imagine if that had become the the like standard is you just step into a shaft and you <laughs> grab onto a thing and then zoom. <laughs> and what do you have to stop? You let go? This is my floor. Whoop. <laughs> uh. Yeah, the doors open and you have to swing to get through them so that you can let go. Mm-hmm. And how do you go down? You don't. Stairs. Yeah, I think after using it once, you would take the stairs. I'm done. <laughs> uh, is that it for the summary, Tori? Uh, no, we still have to cover the uh, the troops over in Emu. So, meanwhile, Dalinar and the troops are over in Emu. Although they hear about a disturbance disrupting the Fabrials at Urethiru, including Spanreeds and Oathgates, they think all of that was just a secondary distraction related to Teravangian's most recent betrayal. We see Yasna being queenly AF, going to battle in full shard plate, and ordering wit into a battle of wits with High Prince Ruthar, though she ends up cutting it short. <laughs> Did we suddenly invite Dave back with all these puns? <laughs> I felt like I had to fill that role. I'm sorry. Anyway. During a Skybreaker attack, Dalinar manages to do some kind of Vulcan mind meld with Nail, though he can't figure out how. Renarin tells Dalinar about a weird and creepy vision, and eventually Dalinar starts to worry about the lack of communications from home. He goes riding the High Storm with Stormfather, where they find Kaladin exposed on the mountainside outside the tower, and learn that Irithiru has been overrun. Is this the <laughs> part where he, he helps Kaladin out? Yeah, by yeeting him through a window. Yep, that's the one. And that's basically the end of part three. So I'm happy that the go on a joyride with the Stormfather thing finally came back from Way of Kings. Mm, and that, I think that was Kaladin that did it too. Yeah. So this which time we have Dalinar making I was, use of his, his I mom. was very confused by for a long time. It's like, no, this is a thing you can do. I didn't tell you about it because I'm the Stormfather. But yeah, this is a thing you can do. And meanwhile, Dalinar is also, like, every interaction he has with the Stormfather in this book is Dalinar being dad disappointed with him. <laughs> so while I was reading especially this part, I'm, I'm actually getting a little worried about their bond because I feel like Dalinar is very controlling. He's sort of like, this is how I expect it to be. You need to be better. And Stormfather's like, but I don't want to. I'm a storm. Ooh, some people but out in a storm. I'm going to kill them. Don't you kill those people. I'm going to do it. Don't do it. No, I'm a, I'm, I'm going to do it. Don't do I already did it. It's too late. We're past it. No, They're dead. it was more like, help them. Why would I help them? I'm a storm. Well, they're out and exposed in the storm. You should help them. Uh, no, I'm not going to help them. Help them. No, it's too late. Why didn't you help them? So oh, I, I, forgot. I, am, I am worried about their bond because I, I feel like if Dalinar isn't strengthened because we, we do see some effect on the Stormfather. He starts to have some, I'll say humanity, I guess, lack of a better word here, uh, as as a result of the bond, like over time. But it's a slow process, especially with the Stormfather. It's a very slow process. And I don't want Dalinar to like take advantage and then, you know, remove the bond. Like that's that's a scary thing. Like if if Dalinar loses the bond with Stormfather, I have no idea what the effects would be. It would destroy the Stormfather, which is hard to do because he's a big sprint. He's like a god sprint. I mean, Dalinar breaking his oaths would do that. 
Yes. I don't know yeah. that Stormfather choosing to end their bond would hurt the Stormfather. That's a that's a good point. Because right now the friction is all coming from that end. Yeah. Like So Dalinar, as long as he keeps his oaths, I guess. Yeah. But he's also, you know, he is he is very dad disappointed. So that's a good the, way to put in it. In the Stormfather. Right. Yeah. Um, and also I think this is the the chapter uh the sorry, the part that talks about I think you mentioned Tori, the pure tones of roshar which is one of the chapter names um where where there are the three the three basic tones related to roshar um i don't know if it's too early for me to to talk about this so you can stop me if that's the case but these you know three tones are equivalent to odium honor and cultivation and the three tones that would be associated with them and continuing with this idea i think we can we can, uh, what's the word, expolate? Extrapolate. Extrapolate. That all of the shards have a particular tone associated with them. Like endowment, preservation of room, which is probably harmony now, which is a different tone. Um, yeah, they all have a, a different tone associated. So a, a note, although I think it's described more as like a, a melody than a note. But all of so. the shards have something like this. Adonalsium yeah. probably had something like this that was different than the, the shards. You play it all together, you get the music of the spheres. <laughs> well put. Uh, what were the what were the part three um, epigraphs? Oh, I can look that up. Oh, those were uh, segments from the Rhythm of War. From the Notebook. Yeah, that okay, was yeah. the Rhythm from of the War. From the Notebook, yes. So, right. For like three quarters of it, I was trying to figure out like who was talking to who. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's Navani and Raboniel. Except I don't know who's saying what necessarily. Uh, uh, Raboniel is the one with the main text and Navani is underwriting. So if there's like an underwritten part or, or subtext, whatever it's described as an epigraph, that's Navani. Okay. So now I have to read over those again. I do too. I meant to do that after I finished the book. Forgot because I got lazy. And yeah, part three has no, no additional... Um, uh, Shadesmar road trip content. Yep, we've taken a break on them. We stepped away from them. So after that, there are some interludes. You guys want to hear about the interludes? Oh yeah, we're doing those too. Do tell more, Tori. Okay, first we have Zeth. Zeth overhears Teravangian asking for an oath stone. What's the old man plotting now? And then we have a Cheery Cheery chapter. Cheery Cheery wants food, but Risen is busy talking about what happened in the Donshard novella. Cheery Cheery decides <laughs> the quickest way to get fed is to learn to talk. It's true. That's what I'm trying to teach my baby. <laughs> I uh, like Cheery I've, Cheery. I've read an article that, that says that teaching your baby sign language is actually effective. Yeah, we're, we're doing that. We're in the process, but she's just a cranky pants. Yeah. And then we have a Teravangian chapter. When Zeth confronts Teravangian about the Oathstone thing, dumb Teravangian isn't able to explain himself. And that's it for the interlude. So that got dropped, like, immediately, the O-Stone thing. Was, that was just a ploy. Was all he was doing was trying to get um, Zeth to talk to him? Yeah. Yes. Okay. He's making it seem like he's making an O-Stone, thinking that it would control Zeth in some way. And Seth's all angry, like, what the heck are you doing, old man? Okay. It was just to get Zeth to talk to Taravanji. I thought that was what was going on, but it wasn't made explicit, so I was a little confused. Yeah. Um, something that Dave pointed out earlier... Nightblood really does act very much like a shard blade. Like it severs. I think Night Nightblood described as severing things in the cognitive realm. 
rather than the physical. Like, it uh, does the same thing, where it would go through a limb, and the limb would die, which is exactly what Shard Blade. I think Nightblood actually takes it a step further and severs the connection to the spiritual. That's true. Yeah, he does do all three realms. Fracto Doggo, Doggo, which is Fell Knight. Why do you have so many names? To make uh, you ask questions. Sounds like it's time to change your name again. <laughs> no, I like Fracto Doggo. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's Nightblood was very much, you know, influenced by Shard Blades, which was the intention Vasher made it. Yep. But so... Nightblood is, is the answer. It's like you can use that against Odium. Nope, I'll save it for the for the part five. Yes. Okay. Okay, anything else on these sections? Um, I have something not related to these sections. You're way late on that then, but go ahead. No, I'm, I'm going to say when I wanted, I wanted it at the end for people who have not read past part three. By the time this gets out, people That's will true. have read part three. Past but part have, three. Mike hasn't, here now. Mike hasn't finished the book, though. I have it's, some it's... nebulous amount of... Like, I might have a page and a half. I might have 30 pages. I, honest to God, I don't know. I just know I'm really close to the end. Okay. Is this all we wanted to discuss about part three? Because yes. I have something that's related to part four that okay. I would like to mention that's tied to today's Words of Radiance chapter. Go ahead. Which is why I bring it up. Good? Yes, good. Okay. So, those listeners, if you haven't read part four yet, go read part four. Okay, now that you're back. Uh, so... We, we eventually learn in part four that Shalom was actually bonding with a different cryptic. That it's not pattern that we see in these, uh, in Words of Radiance when we have her flashback chapters. That's not pattern. That uh, no, it's, it's not pattern. It's pattern. <laughs> thanks, right. thanks, thanks for pointing that out, Mike. It's good. It's good. As opposed to the other cryptics who are pattern, 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 and pattern. Don't forget pattern. I did forget you know, pattern, I'm sorry. They all have a different mathematical formula. But yeah, so it's a it's a different pattern that she was originally bonding to. And and this is why we when we have the discussions with pattern, the pattern God, Mike, why did you do this? Uh when when we get uh the discussion between Shalon's pattern and Shalon in Words of Radiance, he's always mentioning how, oh, but you're gonna kill me because that's eventually what you did. That's because she just did that thing. She already killed her first cryptic where yeah, you're, and... what you're what you're led to believe actually happened in that book is that Shalon just severely damaged her bond in the same way that Kaladin is actively doing to Syl. Right. Now, Kaladin almost killed Syl. Like he was he was this close. Like I'm holding up my fingers, you know, it's just a it's just a centimeter here. He came really close to doing a thing cuz he almost broke his but Shalon does that. Well, and, and one thing I wanted to point out related to, to that. Um, so in Words of Radiance, when we get the chasm scene and Shallan summons a shard blade and Kaladin's like, what? And But then later when she operates the Oath Gate and it's like, we need some truths um, because you need a living shard blade to do the Oath Gate. Right. So the first time we see her with a, a shard blade is... The old one, she's still she still has that bond, but she's killed the sprint. Right, that's just a normal shard blade. That's not the pattern shard blade. And then at the end is when she's third idealing it. It is interesting, and maybe it has something to do with her past that she doesn't hear the screaming, or, or maybe it's because this cryptic is different. Like it went through, or a, because it, it was hers. Right. Okay, that's true. I was going to say all, all of these other modern shard blades that when the radiance pick them up and they hear screaming. That's not their spread. Right. Um, so, yeah, so so we know that in the flashback, that's her first cryptic. 
And I don't even think Pattern, like, Pattern claims he met her in the garden, but I think he's lying. I, th- I think we get confirmation of that in part four of Rhythm of War, that essentially he was just lying because that's what Shallan believed. He doesn't appear until on the ship. Like, we saw Pattern's first appearance, which was in Way of Kings into uh, Words of Radiance. Like, I think he's one of the cryptics in, in Way of Kings, maybe. But he's definitely first starts uh, he manifesting. He has to be because Shallan soulcasts. Okay, yeah, good point. Um, Is it, though? Because she still has that weird bond. I feel like Shallan's in a weird... It's, she was bonding, and she still maintains the shard blade. So maybe she's in a weird spot. I guess we'll find out more as we get into the fifth book because of... of no, 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 no. Shallan gave a truth. In Way of Kings, Shallan gave a truth. Yeah. And soul cast. Okay. So that is pattern. Yeah. Okay. So that is his first appearance, but he starts manifesting in the physical realm in Words of Radiant. I mean, technically, he was probably also there in Way of Kings, and we just didn't notice because nobody was looking for him. Right. He's one of the many in the background that she dropped. Well, he's also that, but after that scene, Shallan has officially bonded him. Second ideal. Mm. Right. Able to soul cast. And she's not able to see him until she draws him a picture. And theoretically, he's also physically there in, in the physical realm because cryptics are bad at, at actually hiding, but nobody was yeah. looking for him. So, so yeah, that's that's yeah. my best guess. So that's why I wanted to bring it up, because we are seeing Shallan's uh, flashbacks. And it's good to point out since we've read Rhythm of War and we know more information now. And and the way that Shallan broke her oaths and killed her spren was intentionally forgetting and lying to herself right she admitted truth and then she took away the truth which is how you break the bond with, with a cryptic so there we go yeah good stuff well not good but interesting captivating stuff all right are we good are we yes, done we're good anybody else mm-hmm. got anything no no nope. craig this is your opportunity for one more uh, i'm i'm holding out for parts four and five you can columbo us <laughs> good just one more thing nah All right, then bye, everybody. Good night, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 